Open my eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Place in my hands the wonderful key That shall unclasp and set me free Silently now I wait for thee Ready, my God, thy will to see Open my eyes, illuminate me, Spirit divine. Open my ears that I may hear, Voices of truth thou sendest clear, And while the waves note fall on my ear, Everything false will disappear. Silently now I wait for thee, ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my ears, illuminate me, Spirit divine. Open my mouth and let me bear gladly the warm truth everywhere. Open my heart and let me prepare Love with thy children thus to share. Silently now I wait for thee, Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my mouth, illuminate me, Spirit divine. Silently now I wait for thee, ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my heart, illuminate me, Spirit divine. Amen and good morning. Welcome to worship. All of you who are gathered in whatever way you can, we are so thankful that you are here. And on this day where I think all of Buffalo is spending a little extra time in prayer because I think there might be an important game going on tonight, I am so thankful that you have all taken this time to turn your hearts and to turn your minds over to God as we join together from wherever we are to spend this moment in prayer. Let us pray. God, we turn to you on this day, this day that's full of anticipation and excitement. But we turn to you this day just to spend a moment in prayer. We turn to you this day to turn our hearts over to you. Bless our hearts and bless our minds on this day so that we can focus on you. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.
Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Take me as you find me. All my fears and failures Fill my life again I give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I surrender Savior, He can move the mountains My God is mighty to save He is mighty to save Forever, author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King, Jesus. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. And now let us light our peace candle. God of grace, God of mercy, God of peace, we turn to you on this day and we light this candle of peace. We pray for your peace to prevail on earth. We pray for your peace that surpasses all human understanding. We pray, Lord, for your peace that can put an end to all war and hatred and violence. We pray for your peace to enter into our hearts and to spread throughout this world. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Oh my goodness, Charlie, we need to introduce our new friend to our church friends. Yes, Bernie, we'll do that. But first, let's say hello to our church friends. Hi, church friends. It's good to see you. Now, pay close attention. We have someone to introduce to you. His name is Flip. Flip, the seal. And he just told us the coolest story that we want you to hear. It's a story about a man named Jonah and a giant fish. As you can see, Bernie is excited for you to meet our new friend. 
So Flip, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey friends, my name is Flip. I'm a seal. I spend my time in the ocean. And the other day, I heard the coolest story that I just told my friends, Burly and Charlie. It's a story about a man named Jonah. Have you heard this story before? Well, I just heard it the other day, and I thought it was the gnarliest story ever. You see, there was a man named Jonah a long, long time ago. And the legend of the ocean says that he was trying to run away from God. Can you believe it? He was trying to run away from God. You can't do that, dude. God wanted him to go to a place called Nineveh to tell the people to be nicer, but he hated the people of Nineveh and he did not want to go. So he got on a boat, you know, one of those things that floats in the water, and he tried to run away from God, but nobody can do that. And then there was a bad storm, and he got thrown into the water. But just when Jonah thought that he was going to die, this blue whale came around and swallowed him up. Only Jonah didn't die. The whale swallowed him up and then spit him out on the shore a few days later. That whale was friends with God. And that whale knew that Jonah had some work to do. Isn't that the gnarliest story ever, dudes? That's the coolest story. Can you imagine being swallowed by a whale? That does sound pretty crazy, but it's actually a story from the Bible. And it might not have been a whale. The Bible says that it's a giant fish. But either way, Jonah finally stopped running from God, and he went to the city of Nineveh and told the people to stop being so bad. And they did. They apologized to God, and they said they wanted to do better. So the story had a happy ending? Yes, it did. Though Jonah wasn't too happy about it, God wanted Jonah to see the people of Nineveh turn from their bad ways because Jonah really didn't like the people from Nineveh. So everyone learned a lesson. The Ninevites became better people, Jonah stopped being so angry, and the whale, or fish, ended up with a cool story to tell. Yup, that story is still being told in the ocean today. I just heard it for the first time. How cool is it that all of the people decided to be nicer, and Jonah learned not to hate? I bet this story will live on for a really long time. It sure will, Flip, and thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Flip. And kids, we'll see you next week. Go Bills! Please join me in the call to worship. Day by day, God leads us to the deep, deep pools of peace, to the green, lush lawns of grace. Day by day, Jesus calls us to pour out ourselves in service, to anoint the stranger with hope. Day by day, the Holy Spirit shows us the community we could be, the family we are called to become.
When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, but it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. King of endless words, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, cause every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, when it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Our reading today comes from the prophetic book of Jonah. Now, this is a prophetic book that's different than all of the other prophetic books. We'll talk about that today a bit. But it's also a really deeply theological book, one that has a message that I think we should all spend time thinking about. So if you weren't with us in Bible study this week, I'm going to ask that you take a moment just to read the rest of this book. Today we are going to read chapter 3, but you can take a moment to read chapters 1, 2, and 4, and then you can say you read a whole entire book of the Bible today, uh, and just to soak up the message, especially after we're finished talking about it. So I really do ask that if you have a Bible at home or if, however you're watching this, you can read the Bible online. Take a moment to read the rest of the book. But first, we will read the third chapter. And if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, 
Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it a message that I tell you. And so Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, and he removed his robe, and he covered himself in sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. And then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. God may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed God's mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them. And God did not do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us join in a moment of prayer. Holy and gracious God, we turn to you on this day. We ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your spirit and with your power on this day. And we ask that you bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds, so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Now, I really love the book of Jonah. It is such a theologically thought-provoking book that I just absolutely love it. I don't love it because it's necessarily true. We don't know if this story actually took place at all. But what I love about this message is the theological message that will hopefully challenge us in a good way. So before we talk about the theological message of the book of Jonah, let's first talk about history a little bit. Let's try to understand the historical context that this story is placed in. So first, what we need to understand is that Jonah is an Israelite. Nineveh is a city that's a large city in the Assyrian Empire. And so the Assyrians and the Israelites are continuously at war with each other for a long period of time battling over land. So the truth is that the Israelites and the Ninevites have actually been enemies when this story is written for a good 200 years. The Israelites hate the people of Nineveh. They hate them with a passion. Now, to help us a little bit more with historical context, we need to understand that Jonah was actually a real person. Jonah is named in 2 Kings, so we know that Jonah was actually a person, and he is the character, the main character, in our Bible here. Does this mean that this whole entire story happened or that it happened exactly as it's told? Not necessarily. So I need to make sure that we all understand this. What would happen is the rabbis at that time would usually do things like Jesus would do with his telling of parables. They might tell stories to help to share a theological message and to challenge people theologically. The same thing happened with the book of Job. That's believed to be a message similar to this. And so Jonah, even though he was a real person, rabbis may have used Jonah's name, which they would often do, in order to create this wonderful theological message. So we don't know that this story actually happened at all, even though Jonah most certainly lived. But whether or not this story happened, that is not what matters here. The parables that Jesus tells us are not stories that actually happened. What parables are is they are messages that Jesus uses to illustrate a point. If the book of Jonah is just like a parable, that is okay. No matter what, we can learn from it just as much as if the story was historically accurate. So now that we've got all of that kind of down, let's jump into the story. So here's what happens in the story of Jonah. In case you haven't read through the whole thing, I'm going to try to wrap it up really quickly for you. Here is what happens in the story of Jonah. So Jonah is a prophet, and he hears the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord tells him that he needs to go to Nineveh, to his rival city of Nineveh, and tell the people that they've all been sinners, that they have all sinned against God, and that they need to repent or else in 40 days God is going to destroy the whole entire city and everybody in it. But Jonah's like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want to do it. 
But God's like, I need you to go do it. And Jonah's like, "Mm mm-mm, not gonna do it. So what does Jonah do? Jonah goes and he runs away from God, or at least he tries. He gets onto a boat and tries to sail far, far away, but then there's this huge, huge storm that happens. And Jonah looks at the crewmates and he's like, sorry guys, this is my fault. I'm trying to run from God. Throw me overboard and you'll all survive. And so they do that. But then Jonah gets swallowed up by a giant fish. Our stories usually say whale, but it actually says giant fish in the Bible. He gets swallowed up by a giant fish for three days, and then he gets spit out on the shore, where again the voice of the Lord tells Jonah that he needs to go and tell the people of Nineveh that they need to repent or they'll be destroyed. And Jonah's like, oh, really, God? Do I really have to do this? God's like, yeah. And so Jonah goes. And the funny thing is, is that I I just, this is how at least I picture Jonah. He pouts his way all the way into the city and he makes his way into the city, walking a day, pouting, I imagine, the whole entire time. And then he gets into the city of Nineveh and he looks around and he says, oh, you guys are all sinners. You've all sinned. God's really mad at you repent or else in 40 days you're all going to be destroyed. That's how I imagine Jonah with that pouty face and awe. But then the most miraculous thing happens. This is by far more miraculous than a giant fish swallowing him up and spitting him out on the shore with him still alive three days later. This, if you ask me what the biggest miracle of this story, if it actually is true, what this biggest miracle would be, is the fact that all of the people apparently repent. Everybody, like absolutely everybody, they hear Jonah and they're like, oh my goodness, we have been sinners. Oh my goodness, we have been violent when we shouldn't. Even the king's like, oh wow, we're all going to be destroyed because we have been bad. We need to turn away from our bad ways and we need to turn back to God. Could you imagine if a whole entire large city all said, yep, we've been sinners and all unanimously decided to turn back to God and to repent for their sinful ways? That, to me, is the biggest miracle here in this story, but that is what happens. And then after everybody repents, Jonah goes and he pouts his way all the way out the city, and then he sits there and just watches, and he's pouting the whole time. And then he's just sitting there complaining. In the end, he's like, God, I knew you were going to forgive these people. That's why I didn't want to come in the first place, because I knew you would be a forgiving God, and I didn't want my enemies to be forgiven. I'm adding some messages into there, but really, that's what I think that Jonah was saying. Like, oh, God, I knew you were going to forgive those people. I knew you were going to forgive my enemies. I knew you would be such a forgiving and loving God, and I didn't want them forgiven. That's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. (laughs) That's again how I picture Jonah. He was so unhappy that his enemies were forgiven. He was so unhappy that God didn't smite his enemies. He was so unhappy that God didn't destroy the city of his enemies and everybody in there. God God went and forgave everybody when what Jonah wanted was Jonah wanted everybody to be destroyed because they were his enemies. But that's not how God works. In this book, in this prophetic story that we just read, 
It should challenge the way that we think of hatred and forgiveness. It should challenge us if we have any hatred in our hearts. If we have any enemies in our lives or any hatred in our hearts, this is a book that we should read and this book should be the book that challenges us theologically, that should challenge us to have no hate in our hearts, that should challenge us to forgive even our worst enemies or at least grow to wish them peace. This is a theological book that should challenge us so very deeply. It reminds me of the parables of Jesus. It reminds me of the parable of the prodigal son. It reminds me of the parables that Jesus uses to teach us and to challenge us to have a deeper understanding of God's love and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. But let's take a moment to think about hatred, because hatred is real. I see the way that hatred grows rampant in this world. I I see the way that hatred can just turn into this terrible mask that people wear. I can see how hatred can destroy people. I think that's why I never want hatred in my heart. Actually, I'll tell you, and I know I've told many of you guys this before, but I remember when I was in eighth grade and we did our D.C. trip to Washington, D.C., and we went to the Holocaust Museum, and we met with a Holocaust survivor named uh, Nessie Godin, I think was her name. And I remember at one point in time, one of my friends turned to her, and, and he just asked her a simple question. He said, well, do you hate the Nazis? And she didn't respond with an, of course I hate them, or anything like that. She was a sweet older lady. And she just said, I don't like that word hatred, because I'll never use that word hatred. She told the story about one time how her grandson took spaghetti and threw spaghetti off of his high chair and goes, I hate spaghetti. And she's like, how can you hate spaghetti? But she challenged us to not ever use the word hate because she saw what hatred could do. She saw how hatred could rage within people and could turn people into these nasty, evil beings who are then off to kill and to murder innocent souls. She knew how bad and how dangerous hatred could be, so she wouldn't even allow herself to use that word hatred, and she challenged us to do the same. And so we have all tried never to participate in hate because we tried to learn from her wisdom. But she was on to something. Hatred? Hatred is the worst violence that this world will ever know. Hatred is a violence that might make us actually want to see harm happen to somebody else. Hatred is like this terrible virus that enters into somebody and destroys and darkens their soul. Think about what hatred can do in this world. And sadly, there is too much hatred in this world. There's hatred because people don't like somebody of a different race or or religion. There's hatred because of political disagreements. There's hatred because hatred for one reason or another can enter into somebody's life and it can change them and it can make them, their soul, their loving soul be darkened. But hatred... Hatred, as far as we can see, doesn't seem to be a divine trait at all. It seems to be a human trait or quite possibly an evil trait. But hatred is not something that we should ever assign to God. And that should challenge us theologically. 
The other day, Walter was at home doing his schoolwork, his virtual schoolwork, and he was listening to a story about Dr. King. And in this story about Dr. King, he is telling the story about how, you know, when he was a little boy, his first best friend was the boy who lived right next to him. And the two of them were best friends when they were little until they went off and they went to school and then they got sent to separate schools because his friend was white and he was black. And so they were in a segregated school district, so they were sent to separate schools. And then after they started schools, uh, Martin realized that his friend didn't want to be friends with him anymore. And he was so upset, this little boy who was upset, and he went to his parents and he asked them and they explained racism to him. And then he said that at first he was filled with hate. He had hate within his heart for his friend for a second that his friend wouldn't like him anymore because of the color of his skin, but his parents said to him not to hate That hatred wasn't the answer, but that instead he needed to respond with love. Hatred is like a virus that I'll tell you is even worse than the coronavirus. Hatred is a virus that can destroy families, it can destroy lives, it can destroy societies if we let it. Hatred is a terrible, terrible virus in any form whatsoever. But love, love is a power that can transform. So friends, we can't fix all of the problems that are out there in the world, but we can fix what's going on inside of us. So what I want us to do today is I want us to take a deep look inside of our souls. I want us to think not about hatred that exists out there in the world, but I want us to really check ourselves and to see if there is any hatred that lives with inside our hearts. Because if we are challenged with anything today, our challenge should be not to hate because we are faithful people who love God. We are faithful people who follow Jesus. So we should have no virus of hatred inside of us at all. So what I want us to do is I want us to take some time to really stop and to really dig deep within our souls, to challenge ourselves and to ask ourselves if we have any hatred within us. And if we do, what can we do about that hatred? How can we heal that hatred? How can we turn that hatred into love? Let's take a moment today, and I know you guys are loving people. Let's take a moment today, though, to look deep within. Do we have any hatred in our hearts? If we have any hatred in our hearts, What can we do about that? How can we turn that hatred to love? How can we turn that hatred to forgiveness? How can we turn that hatred to healing? Because hatred is the worst virus that this world has ever known, and we don't want it to exist within us. How can we check ourselves and heal ourselves from any virus of hatred? That's my challenge for us today. As we look at this wonderful book of Jonah, how can we heal ourselves from any hatred? How can we be forgiving like our God? How can we be people who love and not people of hate? How can we, my friends, follow in the way of our Savior that leads to a path of everlasting life? Now let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and gracious God, we turn to you today. We turn to you because you are a God of love. You are a God of forgiveness. You sent us Jesus to show us how to live and to to show us how to live lives that are filled with love and faithfulness, lives that are rooted in you. So Lord, if we have any hatred in our hearts whatsoever, 
please remove that hate from us. If we have any malice, anything that, that is bringing us down, take that out of us. Help us to heal ourselves so that we can help to heal the world. We ask that we can be people of love, that we can never fall into that negativity of hate. And we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us and bless us and help us through this entire path that we're on. And we pray this and every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
now is the time for our offering. So now is the time where you can either send in your check or you can go online to zionuccton.com or if you're a church member, use your Breeze account and give to the church because all that we do, we do through financial giving. And we are so thankful for everybody who has continued to give as we make our way almost a year into this pandemic and still so many of you have been faithful givers and we take a moment just to pause and say thank you. And also, if anybody is going through a financial hardship, then please do not hesitate to ask for help. And if anyone is in need of the food pantry, member or not, our food pantry is open on Mondays from 11 to 1 o'clock. of prayer. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Where justice falls down like a mighty water And righteousness grows like an ever-flowing stream And mercy resounds like the waves on the ocean Let praises rise high on the songs of the redeemed There is a streams from the temple begins as a trickle but ends in the sea as it grows healing it will give where it flows everything will live where justice falls down like a mighty water and righteousness grows like an ever-flowing stream And mercy resounds like the waves on the ocean Let praises rise high on the songs of the redeemed Wait in the water and feel the strong current Remember the Sail life before God is here. Leave the past behind in these clear waters. You will find where justice flows down like a mighty water, and righteousness grows like an ever-flowing stream, and mercy. Let praises rise high on the songs of the redeemed. Let praises rise high on the songs of the redeemed. And now go 
forth with the blessing of God. Go forth with the love of Christ in your heart. Go forth with the power of God that is greater than all and any hatred. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all. Justice falls down like a mighty water, and righteousness grows like an ever-flowing stream, and mercy resounds like the waves on the ocean. Let praises rise high on the songs of the redeemed. There is a streams from the temple begins as a trickle but ends in the sea as it grows healing it will give where it flows everything will live where justice falls down like a mighty water and righteousness Let praises rise high on the song.